We hope that this message encourages you today. For more information about us, please visit myfreedom.church. Okay, so um, we are going to have a bit of a tapas meal today, um, which is a bit of kind of a little bit here, a little bit there. Um, But in tapas, this is where the analogy breaks down. There's something you don't like, you don't have to have it. But I'm sorry, guys, you have to try everything today. Um, There's no excuses. Okay, so I think we need a bigger lectern so I can fit everything on. (laughs) Glory be to God. Well, we've been talking about disciplines. I I, I haven't been able to listen to what I've always shared last week because I've not been online to listen. Anyway, so I don't know what was shared. But in previous weeks, we've been talking about disciplines, haven't we? Spiritual disciplines. And we're going to just do a spiritual discipline now. It says in the word, Paul wrote... He said, devote yourselves to the public reading of Scripture, didn't he? And it's not something that we in our soundbite world are used to, sitting and listening for more than 10 seconds or 30 seconds. Sorry, camera. Um, So I'm going to read a chunk of John, okay? Bear with me, it's not for half an hour, okay? I'm not sure how long it will be, but it is good to expound the word. So John chapter 6, please wave at me or say amen if you have found the gospel of John. Amen. That's good. Now find chapter 6. Give me an amen if you've, that's two. Okay. Now I am reading from the uh, New King James Version and I will paraphrase little bits. So it's the New King James filtered through Stu translating a little bit into more modern speak. And perhaps how it was. So please don't be offended at that because offence isn't any good for anybody. Okay, so starting at verse 1. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee. Before I do, I'll just pause. As I read the word of God, whenever the word of God is read, endeavour to consciously surrender to it. Because it says, submit to the word of God, which is your salvation. Paraphrase. The word brings us life. And we have to consciously decide, I submit to the word. God will speak to you things from here as I read that I'm not even going to mention. Okay, But because it's the living word of God, it's going to communicate. And this will feed us. So just be blessed as you hear these words and follow. So after these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat with his disciples. Now, the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near, which is where we get bread and wine from. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming towards him, said to Philip, where should we get bread for all these people? And he only said it to test him because he really knew what he was going to do. Philip answered, well, 200 denarii worth of bread isn't enough even for a bite for each of them. One of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said, well, there's a lad here who's got five barley loaves and two small fish. But what's that amongst so many? Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now, there was a lot of grass in that place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves. When he'd given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down. 
and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to the disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so nothing's lost. So they did that and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. Then the men, when they'd seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the, pro the prophet who's come into the world. Therefore, Jesus, perceiving they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, departed again to the mountain by himself alone. Now, when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into the boat and went over toward Capernaum. It was already dark and Jesus hadn't come to them. Then the sea arose because a great wind was blowing. And when they'd rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea, drawing near to the boat. And they were terrified. But he said to them, it's me. Don't be afraid. Then they willingly received him into the boat. And immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. Some miracle travel. On the following day, when the people who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat except that one which his disciples had entered and that Jesus hadn't got in that boat with the disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. <clears throat> other boats came from Tiberias near the place where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus wasn't there, nor his disciples, they also got into boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered and said to them, Surely I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Don't labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Then they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus said, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Therefore they said, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert as it's written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said, surely I say to you, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. And the Jews, Jews complained and murmured about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then? He said, I've come down from heaven. Jesus answered and said, don't murmur amongst yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up at the last day. 
as it's written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Surely I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. But this is the bread that comes down from heaven that one may eat of and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore quarreled amongst themselves, saying, How can this man give his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said, Surely I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. And I shall pause there. You did well, folks. Did you get blessed? There's life in that word. Okay. I'm just going to carry on for a little short section. Now then, at this point, many of the disciples, therefore, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand this? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said, does this offend you? What if you should see where the son, uh, where the son of sorry, say again, what then? If you should see the son of man ascend where he was before, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who don't believe for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and would, who would betray him. Therefore, I have said that no one can come to me unless it's been granted by the Father. From that time, many of the disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? But Simon Peter answered and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we've come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you is a devil, speaking of Judas Iscariot, who would betray him. Amen. Okay, so bless you for listening. The word of God is precious. People lost their lives to bring this word to us. We need to give it its due place in our lives. What I want to do is do the tapas. I'm going to pull out some little bits from this passage and just stir us, challenge us, encourage us. There is life for us here. So I may not have a particular theme, but I have a very strong point. Okay? So bear with me. We're going to start in verse 2 and verse 14. 
Then a great multitude followed him because they saw. Everybody say, they saw. Because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. Jump to verse 14. Then those men, when they had seen, everybody say, had seen. When they had seen the sign that Jesus did, they said, this is truly the prophet who is coming to the world. Signs are meant to follow those who follow Jesus and are meant to point to Jesus. The preaching of the gospel is meant to have signs accompanying. We are meant to have signs amongst us as a company. Okay? Now what I'm doing is I'm drawing a line in the sand and saying this is our expectation. Okay? It may not be our experience particularly. However, God's word is the bottom line. This is our blueprint. So I'm sowing it into our hearts, tuck it into your heart and say, Father, yeah, you've said that we should experience signs. We should demonstrate signs. Because see what happened? They saw the signs and followed. Sorry. You're still there. By the way, hello, people on the Internet. You're not forgotten. And may this word do immense things for you. May it go beyond. And this word is God's word. It is seed that multiplies. So we're declaring into your situation and your circumstance that the word is going to produce something good from heaven. Amen. Signs accompany us. Now, we have to stir ourselves to reach for those signs. Okay? We need to be praying and calling those things in. Let's jump to verse 26 and 27. Jesus spoke to them and said, Surely I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. So kind of, well, actually, that was a sign really, wasn't it? But it was their human appetite (laughs) caused them to follow. They were hungry and wanted filling. So they followed this guy who gave them free bread. Come on, I bet it tasted fantastic as well. And Jesus went on, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you. Because God the Father has set his seal on him. Now I know he was speaking to the Jewish people who perhaps were maybe slack synagogue attenders. Who knows? Maybe they didn't go at all. But they followed him because he was charismatic. There was something about this guy. But I was was reading this the other day. I really felt strongly Jesus was challenging us. Why do you seek me? What do we seek Jesus for? Why do we come to church and do church? What benefits do we get from Jesus that, if we're really honest, are really serving my purpose and my well-being? Pause for thought there. Sometimes we get very narrow in our lives. It's about me. Jesus, please answer this prayer for my situation. Please do this for me. Please do that for me. And we've shrunk 
away from the wide horizon of the Great Commission, what he is calling us to. So this is a provocation. Why are you seeking Jesus? What are you doing this for? Remember the bigger picture. Jesus spoke many things that were incredibly challenging and communicated on many, many levels with the same words because they're supernatural words. And he's speaking to us these things. Now, other very strong words that he shared. Um, I'm going to just turn this in quite the same, but I just want to pull on the... um, where he says, don't live, verse 27, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food that endures to everlasting life. This is what he's calling us to. Don't just get caught up with the itty bitty bits about life. He wants us to be seekers of him that will nourish and feed us. And if we just jump back a page or two to John 4, and Mark referenced this, I believe, in his preach on fasting or his teach preach. Um, 431. So Jesus has met the woman at the well. He's talked to her. Then the disciples have come up to him. It's been a hot, thirsty day. They haven't eaten. And they're asking him about food. And he says, um, and they come up to him and say, uh, Rabbi, eat. And Jesus said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Verse 34. My food is to do the will of him who sent me, and to finish his work. Now, obviously, in that context, we're thinking about him going to the cross to pay for the sins of the world, to descend to death, to get the keys from the devil, to come back triumphant. But we are to do likewise in this life. To do his will is to be our food and will nourish us beyond anything else in this life and all the temptations and the stuff it dangles in front of people. The will of heaven When you get into that groove, which is a very poor word for this, but you get into that place with God, it is just like, forget eating, let's just pray, let's just be, let's worship, let's just be in his presence. It's so good. It's like this morning, it's a shame to stop, but we've got to move on. But I do, I feel it was appropriate to stop at that point. But hey, there are other levels. We could have gone to another level. High praise could have ensued. Who knows? And miracles. There's so much more people. I just want to encourage and provoke and needle you if needs be. Wake you up. Did you know it's the role of a teacher to teach in two ways? This is for free. One is to show and present and reveal the truths of God. And the other is using an ox goad, a prodder, is to prod you up the bum and say, come on. And that's a little bit of that this morning, but in the nicest possible way. Although Jesus wasn't very nice sometimes. But here he is talking about to do the will of the Father is food for life, food for our beings. Okay, let's move 28 to 30 of John chapter 6. Jump back there. We're now on to the olives. Sorry if you don't like olives. Um, Here, what do they say? Um, maybe it's not that bit. I just, just get this. I might have just 28. Yes, it's actually verse 30. So bearing in mind that already Jesus has fed the 5,000. 
men plus women and children, with five barley loaves, two fish, hey? And they say in verse 30, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Excuse me? Uh-huh. Were you there? Did you see that? I'm sure we've all had experience like that with people where you say, excuse me, did you not just hear what I said? Or, But Jesus doesn't go down that road, does he? He just continues with them and challenges them back. But what's going on? You know, a sign in the end won't do it. You need to make that jump. The sign is pointing somewhere. The sign is about, look, make the connection with the destination. It's Jesus. You need to come. You need to believe in this one. But hey, this is human nature going on. We do the same thing sometimes. You know, Jesus may have given sign after sign after sign. We've been praying about something and we're still saying, Lord, I just really need that confirmation about this new job or, or to give that money or to, to buy that thing for this person. He says, how much more? I mean, come on, guys. So, but he's very patient with us. You'll never have proof enough to believe in Jesus or factual evidence enough to convince you intellectually. It has to be a step of trust. It has to be a, an, a choice of the will that we choose to decide. I'm trusting these words. Verse 31. Here are some of the wonderful things that Jesus promises. Um, verse 31 to 35. Um, our, our fathers ate the manna in the desert. And da da 32, most assuredly, I say to you, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread of heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Verse 35, I am the bread of life. That's such a statement. He is the bread of life. 47. To 51. Surely I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. He just repeats himself. Get the message he's saying. Look, you're harping on about the manna in the desert and thing. Wow, it's an amazing miracle. Look, guys, they're dead. Jesus is so black and white, so brutal about it, saying, wake up. I am the living bread. It was all about this. You're meant to be looking at me, not looking back in the wilderness and the provision there. Look at me, Jesus is saying. And what happens? Verse 52, the Jews therefore quarreled among themselves. How patient is Jesus? He just could have thought, forget it, guys. Look, look God, I've come. They're just, just a bunch of numpties. They just don't get it. I'm just going to forget it. You know, what's the point? They just don't hear it. But he doesn't do that. So they quarrel, they complain. And as he goes on, he talks about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. I mean, it gets worse, doesn't it? He said, we've got a right nutter here. We're going to lock him up, surely. It's like if somebody started proclaiming this sort of thing, they'd be thinking, mm, he's on the edge. I'm a bit worried about this geezer. And they were maybe thinking the same thing. But the thing was, even though this was outrageous talk, there was something about him that drew them. It's, there's something that I can't get away from. Even though this seems nonsense, crazy, mad. He's drawing me. 
I know I need to be with this man, Jesus. I need to follow him. I don't understand all this stuff, he says, but I'm being drawn. But verse 60, it all becomes too much. The disciples, this is probably a larger group of disciples at the point. They say, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? And they start to leave. They start to drift away. They start to abandon this amazing man because it's too much for me. So was it that they were approaching it all intellectually? They weren't listening to their heart and the heartbeat, the spirit that was speaking, drawing people. And verse jumped down to 67 to 69. I shall read that. Jesus actually challenged the 12. He was so secure, he just said to them, well, do you want to leave me as well? There's the door. You can go. I'm not forcing you to stay. The choice is yours. But he knew that he would still fulfill his goal because God's word does not return void or empty. It will achieve the purpose for which it has been sent, Isaiah 55. It will come to pass. So even if there was nobody with him, he would have done it. When in fact, there was nobody with him ultimately because they abandoned him in the Garden of Gethsemane, as we heard about earlier, the mention. This Jesus is the bread of life. We, I'm hoping all, have tasted of that bread of life and understand what Jesus is talking about and that to believe in him We have everlasting life. And to eat and drink of him, which is metaphorical that we understand now, we have everlasting life. And that's why we break bread and take wine, because it's the symbol of us partaking of him, as he commanded, that we receive his life. We're receiving everlasting life if we do that in faith. The answer to all life's needs is found in Jesus. But his strong words caused offence. We have to guard our hearts from that stumbling. And sometimes those words of offense come through one another. And it might actually be God speaking. And sometimes people offend us anyway. (laughs) It's not God speaking. But guard your hearts. Don't be offended. If you are offended, you need to draw on the grace of God. Draw, draw, draw. He's got grace. Jesus was the most, if you like... He had the potential to be the most offended on this planet. But he did not take offense. What did he say? (laughs) Father, forgive. (laughs) They don't know what they're doing. And he would draw aside to the mountain. God, give me grace. Strengthen me in the face of this crowd. And I've gone on a little bit. But I want to... Just, well, I'll reference it, Luke 9, 57 to 62. Jesus talks to the followers and he says, if anyone puts his hand to the plough and looks back, he's not fit. He's not fit for the kingdom of heaven, to labour in the kingdom of heaven. That's such strong words. And he's saying, one of the disciples says, can I go and bury my dad? He says, let the dead bury their own dead. Excuse me. You follow me. 
Now, I don't believe that if the guy went off and buried his father and then came back to follow Jesus, that Jesus didn't say, forget it, no, no, push off. I think he would have welcomed him. But he says these things to get to the root in our hearts. What is our driver? What is our motivation? Have we surrendered our motivations to the cross and to Jesus? The radical challenge of Jesus. And so we have the words of life to offer men and women. We've received and it's time for us to share and extend. We have a responsibility and it is also our mandate as a congregation because God spoke to us when we relocated, before we relocated here. He said, move to the east side of the city, cast your nets on the whichever side of the, the right side. And as you look at the map of the city and where we were with the boat facing north, the right side is to the east. It's time we cast our nets. He's calling us to do that. But you know, it is a challenge and it isn't always easy. Hands up if you've ever found sharing the gospel a challenge. There's a handful of you. That's good. It is not necessarily easy. But, and this is the practical part of my message, I am presenting us to, presenting to us even, some ways, some how-tos, okay, to present this incredible message to the world, all right? This is the message that brings everlasting life. This is what people are dying for, and they don't know it, okay? We have such a message. So here is a few things, triplets. We can Pray for friends, colleagues, family members in our triplet, those who don't know Jesus. We can support and encourage one another in our witness and praying for those opportunities. Okay? And we can support one another. In our triplet, we can rehearse our testimony. Okay? It's good to do that. Okay. You could just practice sharing your testimony as if you were talking to somebody who doesn't know Jesus yet. It's a great thing to do. Second thing, pray. Pray for opportunity. Pray and encourage expectation. Because there are divine appointments for us. Now, this week, I was really hoping for quite a few divine appointments. And um, it didn't quite properly happen. I I don't know whether I just missed some opportunities or something. Um, But what I will say is, um, I realized that we do need to align ourselves to be in the place where the divine appointment will pop up. They're not just going to fall out of the sky. If we are... Drawing on God. If we are praying in tongues, if we are having that expectancy, excuse me, these things will emerge. I just had a few before I went away on holiday. Um, just popped into the the locksmith because we, I had lost the key of our shed, and I needed some advice. And I just felt I just need to talk to this guy about Jesus. I thought I could leave it or not. And I just thought, I'll do it. 
and it was really interesting actually, just as an aside, sorry, this is for free as well. Um, he was talking to me just in terms of the matter of dealing with the keys and how to get this thing busted open and whatnot. Um, and he was really kind of, well, yeah, he was kind of, imagine, I'm here, I'm here, sorry, I needed a person, so I had to move over there. So imagine you're the person I'm speaking to you, so look at me closely. He, imagine I'm the man. He's talking to me, yeah, well, you, you can do this, um, you can, uh, and the camera is, is me who was talking to him about the keys. Um, yeah, yeah, you can, um, and he was so like this, it was a, just a, a bizarre thing. I mean, I work in the field of communication, and I was observing how he was not effectively non-verbally communicating with me. Um, he was answering me, but not physically. It was like it was somewhere else. Anyway, I just, I don't even know what I said to him after we'd finished talking, but I said something like, um, you know, I'm a Christian, and I believe Jesus, uh, or I said, I believe that God loves you, and he's got a fantastic plan for your life, and um, he knows all about you, and if you've had any questions in your life, he has the answers for you. Those searchings, those, like, what's the point of life, he's heard that, and that's why I'm standing here now just telling you that maybe you've had those thoughts, and I'm just wanting to let you know that Jesus is the answer, and when I was 14, I asked him into my life, and he's changed my life. End of story. Bye-bye. Thank you very much. That was it. It didn't take long. But the moment I started to say I was a Christian, he was like that. He was utterly glued on me. It was, it was just like chalk and cheese. What a contrast. But I'm telling you, when you speak the words of the gospel and you mention the name of Jesus, it does something on the inside to people because that name is anointed. Hallelujah. That was, sorry, gone off point. It was good, though. Um, third thing. Now, I know that this will not be everybody's cup of tea. I know that there may be lots of things you'll say against this. I know, and I understand that. And I know that there's no condemnation for anybody. So before I say what I'm going to say, would you just put those in your pockets? All right. Do not come under condemnation about what I am about to say. Do I get an amen? Okay. There is an opportunity for you that next Saturday morning in East End Park, me and Corinne, at least, will be here at 10.30. We will meet at the top end of this green patch of field. And we're going to knock on some doors and tell people that... Who we are. Hello, I'm Stu. This is Corinne. We're part of uh, a group called Freedom Church. We meet just down the road at um, Daddy Dar School. And uh, we just come to tell you that Jesus loves you. And if there's anything you'd like us to pray for, um, if anybody in your family's sick, we'd be really delighted to pray for you. How does that sound? There you go. There's your script. That's all we're going to do. It may be that we just give them leaflets and just say this is who we are. So maybe something brief that says where we meet and who we are. Um, and also some tracks for those who are more interested to hear about what do you mean Jesus loves you. So we're just going to do that because as a congregation, it's great having divine appointments, but we need a strategy and a plan. To, and an army has a strategy and we follow it. And so this is part of a strategy. And I'm not saying it's the only thing, but we have an opportunity. And I, I, I just love door knocking. Do you know why? It, you get such 
a buzz because the favor of God is on you when you are presenting the truth of life to people. It's not for everybody, I get that. But hey, if you feel like, oh, I think God's saying I ought to do it, great, join us. Don't feel freaked out. I'll hold your hand. And Corinne, I'll hold the other one. Okay. So that's another opportunity. And then the fourth thing we can do is in a few Sundays' time to be confirmed, we are going to meet outside in the park later in the morning so you get a bit of a lion so that there are more people out and about. And so we will, we will worship, might be a cappella, who knows, but let's just worship out there. You know, we have a gospel to proclaim. We should not be ashamed of the gospel. I know it makes us feel uncomfortable. People are watching, what do they do? Let them come. We are a sign. Let them see it. Okay, how can they see us inside these four walls? So that in a few Sundays' time, before all the holidays kick in, we will be doing that Sunday morning. Not sure about times and details, but we will hear about that in due course. So, in conclusion, um, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who believes in me will have everlasting life. That's what we are carrying and we are to export now, the last thing I was going to do was I would like us to pray, to pray for us, to receive a fresh quickening about sharing the gospel. Okay, if we've grown a bit dull in that, or we just want more. Hey, come on, let's have it. There's plenty more. So I'd like us to pray. So um, would anybody like prayer? Just to be blessed for more. Yeah. Okay, well, what I'm going to do is rather than call you all to the front, I'm going to get you to stand up. If you can, if you can't, it doesn't matter. Just open your hands. That we are just receiving you. God, like I said, it's a wider, bigger horizon. So much bigger than just my own needs. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your word is the benchmark. Your word is the way and how we want to measure our lives. Not that it's about being good enough. It's all by grace. But Father, we recognize that you've said signs will follow the people of God as they proclaim the gospel. We call for signs, Father. And Father, we also ask you for a fresh impetus through your Holy Spirit on the desire to share the gospel, the good news, this tremendous news with men and women and children. Lord, I'm asking you also for creative ways that come from heaven. How we do this, how we reach. And Father, I take authority in the name of Jesus against the things which are holding um, the community back. Father, the people out there that we're we going to meet, we just tear down those bondages, those darknesses, those chains. We break them in the name of Jesus in advance of us going out into the community. And we call on you, Father, as our mighty God, the Holy Spirit, who's been sent to go with us, to empower us. We call for fresh infilling and fresh boldness in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. 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 Whether you are listening or watching, we hope you enjoyed this message please consider giving us a rating on your preferred podcast provider. If you're watching, 
please hit the subscribe button and click the notification bell so that you never miss another video from Freedom Church.